welcome to Launch Left Podcast. I'm Rain Phoenix. Happy to be with you. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Follow us on all socials. Today, our very special guest is Chris Caraba. Yay! Well, it's so nice to have you here. Yeah, what a beautiful place to visit with you. So you have a new record out. I do. It's pretty new. And uh, what, what's, what's lovely about it is that I've been... You're always excited to share a new record with people, but because I had to wait on the release of it for for various reasons, like mm. the pandemic, for example. Right. Um, I still am a little, thr- like, it's a different kind of thrill to know that other people have it in the world, that I didn't, you know, hand hand it to myself. I think I heard that you made it over a long period of time, or one of the songs, you, you it just came to you while you were on tour working a different album, right? Yeah. Or is that right? Yeah, the one that, uh, so I was on tour, I was in the UK, and I keep, I need to verify where I was exactly. <laughs> But I think I was in Manchester and I had this song idea that was half-baked. And usually those are the ones that if it doesn't happen in the in the first sitting, it, it sort of it, it never really finds its way back yeah. or I can't find my way back into it. I should say that's maybe a better way to say it. But I didn't really let go of this song. It's called Burning Heart. I just. I felt there was something there that at least it made me try, but it, there were a lot of stutter starts to it. Mm. And one day I was in Manchester and we played or we did our sound check and I came backstage and we were going to go out for some ramen noodles, I think. And instead I wrote that song and played it on stage that night. I finished the song. I just had the bone, the bones of it before, but it's a it's a pretty verbose song. So uh, I had like a sh- I had probably five or six sheets of paper out there to read from. But it was like that feeling of like I knew what I had in the song. I knew to me, it was an invitation to find more songs that there maybe was a record hiding behind this one. And if I did the proverbial throw your hat over the wall kind of thing that soldiers would do that made them go jump the wall. Mm. I did that with that song by playing it out live that that first that night that I finished it. Right. I've been thinking about like how how music or albums or even films or any kind of artistic project, how they how they come to be. Right. So there's this this unfolding and unfurling of a creative spark. And it seemed like that song, it was the beginning of this record, even though it was a long time before you put this record out. Is that fair to say? It's fair to say because it's accurate. It's really accurate because um, I think I was still in a record cycle, like a promotional cycle right. and a tour cycle. So I didn't have the I'm not great at writing on the road. Mm. Do you have do you find it easy to write? No, do, it's do you, one, like it's, is it one place yeah. that you like to be? That's how I am. Yeah, well, it's separate. It's like I'm on tour. And so I'm yeah. not like sitting necessarily working on new stuff. And I think for me, that's because um, there's a bit of writing even when you're on stage in front of people, at least the way I, I feel it is. It's like it's like you're allowed to interpret the song a little bit differently, you know, within some reason, because the fan wants to have the, the listener wants to know it also. Right. But you can push a lyric into a new place or where the feeling. And so like, I feel like that I feel satiated in that department when I'm on the road mm. in a way I've, I've got friends who are great at writing on the road. It sort of, it sort of lights the candle for them, but it yeah. doesn't for me. It makes me feel like fulfilled in that place. So I knew I had to wait. Um, and I had to really cross my fingers on that one. Like, will, will these songs that I know are there wait for me? Right. Um, and I, that was, that's where the real lucky thing, stroke came in is that they, the, 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 the first song and then the next batch of songs was separated by, I don't know, could have been almost eight months or something like that before I ever sat down again, finally, to be able to write. 
And, and so much ones. happened between that time with the pandemic. And I think you also, I heard you had an accident. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, so check this timeline out. Yeah. So what really happened was I had this window and I wrote the songs. And it's pre-pandemic and pre-accident. And then I recorded them or began the recording process. But before the whole thing was mixed or mastered or anything like that, I was, we had a pandemic. Yeah. And in the early stages of, you know, when we were all in lockdown, actually it was like just over and we were trying to learn how to be out in the world sort of safely. And I was spending a lot of that time not sure about how to do that and doing things like going for long runs, going with, take walks with my family still, even though I think, because this was about June mm. of 2020, I think where I lived, people were a little bit cavalier right back. In, I wasn't quite ready, but one of the ways I was doing is I was like, I was kind of taking mo long motorcycle rides at the end of the day, still during daylight hours. And that's what I was out doing one day and I had a pretty bad motorcycle accident. So between recording the songs and finishing the songs, I had this tour that was great, but then pulled the, you know, got yeah. the plug pulled on it thanks to the uh, COVID and um, thanks to the lockdown, the initial lockdown. And then during the end of that lockdown, but still early in pandemic, I was in this accident it, that period was meant to be where i was mixing the record oh. but instead i had to go be you know in hospital for oh for quite a long time and then begin a recovery reason i regale you with all those details is just to say it's a really unique thing it's been it's a unique this was in a unique experience for me i hope i never have it again but i'm glad i had it where you know when you have a you know when you put your songs out in the world they mean one thing to you and then as you grow with them and perform them they sort of start to take on another meaning but then eventually you get a whole new set of clarity because you have life experience it catches up to where the song might have been going yes 100 percent know what you mean by that so the <laughs> songs seemed prescient they seemed to know where i was going yes and it seemed to like if in such to such a degree that i don't think i could write the recovery record now because i think my audience feels they've already heard it I right. might write it for me, you right. know, but I don't know that I'd put it out because it seems like that's what it is. And I, I, uh, not to dispel that for anybody, if that's what, if that's how they enjoy listening to this record, but it was like, I could listen to it in from a totally, from totally from a place of reaction in a way that just shouldn't happen that early mm. in a record's life, in song's life. So. Yeah. I love that you said that because I have noticed that so much with songwriting. I also write like stream of consciousness often, like a lot of the lyrics will come just, they just come because the melody's there and I suddenly know what I'm writing. And then six, three, ten, two years, months later, you know, I will absolutely know what the song was about. Yeah. And at the time that I put it down and sang it and even mixed mastered and put it out it still hadn't found my future right of the song but the like song the, hadn't written me yet some know? deeper you that does have an absolute understanding right. right right i've only discovered this recently um i really really had this epiphany recently because in addition to that uh kind of experience um i also because i write like you like stream of consciousness the melody sort of uh i know they're autobiographical i know they are experiential, but like, it's really just chasing the melody. Right. And exactly. maybe the rhythm of the babble you say that right. sort of sounds like words, right? Right. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I, I was recently like, I'm trying to just, I'm organizing like the whole area that we have our, all our stored things like, uh, not like, like sheet music for orchestra, like all, all the important stuff, paper mm. goods basically. But mm -hmm. I found like a, 
box of writing that's like as big as this table, not really, you know, scrap paper, finished songs, whatever. And I recognize so many songs from lines from long ago, from songs that happened recently. So it's like those machinations are sort of in process. You don't even realize this thing's not good today. I'll put this over here. No big deal. Well, that guy hasn't really left, it turns out. And then when you're doing that babble thing, he comes out, for, that comes out fully formed. Mm-hmm. And yet I don't get to figure out what it's all about until all these years later. Yeah. And then it'll be about something new after that again. That's the beauty of it, isn't so, it? So, so enigmatic and beautiful, like where creative comes from. And I think exactly like you said, that we, there is a deep knowing that we all have of the future and the past and the multiple multiverses that we're living in potentially too. And we, and something about art awakens that memory. And that's what I get so excited about and why I'm so impassioned to talk to artists is because to me, that is sort of the in-between of the daily grind and sorrow and happiness and all the things that we go through as humans. When you have that spark as a creative that just lights up every memory cell and every knowing part of you, it's like a spiritual experience. It's the closest thing to spending time being rather spiritual. You know what I mean? It's I like agree. a quick wake-up call. <laughs> I agree, and it's transferable. I, As a matter of fact, that's why I, um, I just love the... I really love the company of creative people especially when it's not in my lane, you know? Right. And that's one of the reasons I, I found it was time to move from Florida, at least for the time being. And we moved to Nashville because there was uh, people that were desi- clothing designers that were, it was like become a, a new hub for like the burgeoning scene of whatever the corner was, you know, in mm. a way that I think Brooklyn experiences all the time and is always populated with new people coming up with right. that, that vibrancy of energy. And, um, and I wasn't, I was just wasn't finding that in great numbers where I was living. And it was, that was really, that was uh, advantage, like the, the result of that move, just being in the presence of so many songwriters, so many uh, uh, screenwriters, so many designers and what have you, uh, directly influenced how, I mean, that there was more music, not even right. how it came to be, just that there would be that energy in, into the new songs. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know that I... I wasn't finding it on my own. I wasn't finding the energy within myself and then, until I found myself in that. Yeah, inspiration the inspiration place. of others. Like you said, even if it's a cross-platform and not, you know, cross-medium, I should say. I think maybe you know. even more so sometimes, right? Because yeah. I don't understand what they're doing. Right. I just right. feel it in right. a way like right. where I, I have too much insider information about the songwriting where I really understand the nuts and bolts. And so it's right. less mystic. Uh-huh. It isn't, but it's like, I, I think I figured it out, which we all know we really haven't. But Yeah. Well, that's so cool. I'm glad that we spoke about that. It got me all I'm in my like high head now. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask you about how music found you. I always like asking that. Question. I know. I love when you ask that question. It's such a great way to phrase it because uh, it it does. It searches you out somehow if, if you're meant to be in it, I think. And the way it uh, found me, I think uh, it it was trying to find its way in several times, you know. But in t- once I found skateboarding, that was the that was the draw in, and it was like just a ancillary influence, and then it was direct, you know, both things. It was mm. the music and skate videos, and me trying to figure out what they were, you know, pre Shazam, you know, waiting to the end of the, you know, with a pad, <laughs> watching the end of the video to write down all the songs, and then mm. you know, ordering them up from a catalog. Um, wow. And all that kind of stuff. And uh, like I was in the skate team of a local shop and the guy would let us hang out, the owner, 
Bo would let us hang out and um, that's where we watched the videos and somebody started playing music in there like guitar I, I think somebody started playing bass first like check it out everybody's circle around I'm gonna play you some bass you know and uh, but it just sounded magical to me and I'd had this guitar given to me about a year before and how do these things happen I don't even know like my cousin and her best friend were tasked with cleaning my cousins my uncle had tasked them with I think it was a punishment. They had to clean the basement. They were in Connecticut. And my cousin's friend said to her, you should give this. You should have your dad give this to Chris. I think you'd, wow. I think you'd be able to play it. And that, I mean, like, in it, if, what if she hadn't said it that day? I mean, yeah. I'd like to think that maybe I'd find it. But I certainly had that guitar. And like, we couldn't have afforded a new instrument or anything like that. No, it wasn't. By the way, nobody knows where that guitar came from. Why was it in the basement to right. begin with? So like the universe was conspiring. And, uh, and I was real lucky for it. Oh, but it was, so cool. uh, and then, then you do that thing where you're, um, suddenly thrown into the deep end of the pool and you're looking for anybody to, to sort of throw you the lifeline. And that just means like, hopefully there's a older punk rocker in town who's willing to tell you what's cool and what you should listen to. And I found a few of those and, um, it opened up a new world to me. Mm. And what time did, like, when was that? for you in your life how old were you and you started playing that guitar that your cousin I think I was 15 wow okay. it's pretty late you know I do remember that um when they brought it upstairs I was there I wasn't there they had brought it upstairs I came by and they were like oh we found this thing for you and the friend was over and was like here can you play it and I was like no <laughs> and and she put in um because remember those under the kitchen cabinet cassette recorders that you'd have like it was like a mount that you yes. put in there yes and um that seemed futuristic to me at the time. Anyway, I remember her sliding the tape in there and it was Blister in the Sun was the song. Ah, yeah. And it just I made sense. And I played it. And they all like, as if I just like picked it up and started playing like fusion or something like that. They all like reacted. And me too. I was like, oh my, I'm a savant. You know, it's probably the one and only thing I would have been able to play by ear. And I'm sure I played it wrong. Uh, but it 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 was uh, that's a cool was, first song. It was cool. I play it all the time with great it's joy. So now great, that song. I love that song. I mean, I cover it whenever I can, and I play it just sitting at home. I just it is a. I love it for everything, including that memory. I love it for all the songs that song. I told them uh, one of the times we would play together. Meant you know, more than a decade later, and uh, it felt good to, to say thanks. You know, for that, for putting it out that out there for as a decoder ring to yeah. an instrument for me. You know? Yeah. Another thing I always like to ask, and I'm sure since you've watched the show, you know that I'm curious about like what in the world fires you up in an activism way. Okay. Well, the things that I get most involved in are, um, they're not exactly third rail. So, but they're, but they're, they can be divisive. And, and so I'm, I'm careful with the way I go about these things, understanding your opportunity to have a soapbox and the responsibility of it. And I haven't quite figured that out as well as other people. I'm really envious of, of some of the activism of some of my friends and the way they do it so loudly. But the things I care about are gun control. Mm. And I will work behind the scenes with companies, I mean, with foundations to, to do those things. And I'll speak about that too. But right. um, the things I care most about are gun control, um, and um, especially, not starting with my accident, but especially with my accident, 
free, free medical care has been something of my because I was so well covered mm. thanks to my 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 vaulted position of my profession. I, I've been able to afford the best health care and boy did it come in handy. But if I hadn't had it, I would uh I would never be I would never escape this debt. It would have ruined my life. Yeah. And so of late, that has been my number one concern for people yeah. in the world. That's a really important one. I'm glad you brought that up. So if you had to pick just one, what album changed your life? Automatic for the People changed my life. Um, R.E.M. R.E.M. was a... So there's like <laughs> the big three for me have been R.E.M., The Cure, and Paul Simon in in the way that they... Uh, push melody and lyric to the edge and and in each each in a different way really fully f- present an emotional subject matter but REM was the one when I was like um, I was at the height of my um, of being unbearable like a new hardcore kid a new pop, pop punk kid only only having learned about pop, pop, pop punk at 15 by the time that record came out when I don't know I was 18 I was already beyond, I was beyond bearable. I'm sure of it. And uh, the way that that, and I had already had a previous relationship, a deep affection for REM, but I didn't, I, I didn't see automatic for the people coming in the way that it would affect me, the way that it would make me understand how, how melody is all important, how um, depth of meaning of these, of lyricism could, could really cut uh, much deeper than I, had allowed myself to start to think he could. And so that began that I remember I told Michael this one time about how um, the day I, I got that record, it might have been the day it came out. Uh, I was on my way to work and I stopped at the, the local record store and I was driving. I lived out east and I was driving out west to where my work was. And I put that in and I just kept driving all the way west. And I kept listening to it on repeat. I just ditched work. And just like I was mystified wow. by this in this moment. And um, I think I drove for like three hours. This is like in those days where you like are beg, borrowing, stealing to like, it's not my car. I never had gas money. I think I, you know, I borrowed my mom's car to go to work, which is a luxury in and of itself to get the car. Right. right. And I just hightailed it with this record. It hijacked me and yeah. I went with it for the ride. It was an incredible it. moment. And, uh, and it, and it, remains as um poignant and and deeply cutting to me as it as it ever did their entire body of work does but that was such a galvanizing moment that record for me i performed Mm -hmm. some songs with michael from that record oh nice um, a number of years back he's such a generous artist an an incredible incredible. incredibly generous spirit and and man you know um and he was and and Mike Mills was there too. And um, I couldn't help but think about that kid I was. And and uh, and I remember saying, t- I think I said, to, I believe it was Michael Stipe, but it might've been Mike Mills. I, I, I don't know. What could I have said to that kid if, if he had known he'd be here doing this music with you guys today? I think it was Michael. I think he, and he said something like that he'd belong here. But he'd say it like That's this, what, that he'd belong here. <laughs> Exactly. And uh, and it just felt really validating in a wonderful way and inviting. And it, it, it was a disarming thing where you like I had still all those uh, 
all the nerves up and they just went away. And I was completely in the moment, thanks to him, in that moment. What was your favorite song from that album? Um, Night Swimming was my favorite yes. song from that record. And I think the, that it, it really illustrated well that, like, I was in a place where bombast had its place in music as the heart of it. You know, just all the punk rock I was into, certainly the hardcore and the post-hardcore music I was into. It was all about polyrhythm, adrenaline, and and the and, mm. the, and there's just it's so bare. Yeah, it's a beautiful movement. I mean, there's rhythm in the piece. I don't mean to paint it as reductive or anything like that, but it just was. It's so subtle. It's just a mastery in subtlety, and uh, it was a wake up call. Is there like a time? Do you keep going back to this record? Is this really still a record for you that when you want to reset or be like? Yeah. Is this is this the one that you go back to a lot? I mean, I'm sure you like many other things, but I love that you actually could pinpoint one record that really moved you at a time that you needed it. Yes. And there's, you know, those handful, we all have those handful of records that can make sense of the world for you. And um, somehow they're seldom new records, at least in my yeah, experience. I agree. With people. Yeah. And um, but you're listening to them with all the awareness of the changes in the world and the musical world and the, even the technology. Mm. And yeah. they're only better. In this case, it's only better by comparison. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, there's that handful. I would put Disintegration up there, The Cure, Disintegration up there um, mm. among them. But yeah, there's, um, it's different than, it's not the same as catching up with an old friend. It's 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 like, it's like, um, reminding yourself of your d deeper self. Mm. It's a tool by which to, to do that mm. for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's so interesting. This is another thing I was thinking about last night is I know a lot of teenagers that like the same kind of like classic rock or things that were popular, you know, for my parents' time, right? Like me. Yes. I guess like Cat Stevens or, you know, like Carol King yeah. um, um, and then more punk rock, you know, even Sex Pistols or, you know, R.E.M. And I've been trying to think, like, is there anyone maybe my like maybe my nephew's kids will say a current band when they're grown up. But it seems like everyone keeps pointing back to these like real what I call time bandits of rock and roll, these people who like transcend time and space with their music and and stand out even multi-generationally. They stand out and they still kind of like hold a, a very special place where I, I, I do think there are current bands that do that and have done that for younger generation, but I'm still like, like not as much, right? Like would... how many? Are I wonder, I wonder, I know, like, I'm just trying to think from my very small sampling pool of like, what makes my kids perk their ears? And it seems often, <laughs> it seems to repeatedly be the ones you're, that period of time that's more our parents. Right. But, when it's the exception to that, it's either it seems to be Beck and and this could be peculiar to their their right. specific taste or maybe right. because of my frequency of playing it when they were younger. Who knows? Right, right. It seems to be Beck. Nirvana seems to be one that stands yeah. out. I think that just speaks to a young person in a way that just yeah. um, is uh, cellular or something. So I find that I find that there's a there are a handful, but but not in such a way that you're I'm tr I'm because I'm trying to think like I, I kind of hated it at the time. Like when I had this period where I lived in Connecticut and I would like try to st start to understand music as a, as 
in a possessive way. This, mm. this is, this is my generation's right. thing. And like everyone you talk to in school was like wearing a dead shirt or wearing Jimi Hendrix shirt. That seemed to be, and I'd be like, I don't get it. You're like, we're supposed to be reactionary now, but you're like hanging out with your dad's music or mom's music. And I, I didn't get that very much. Um, later would, I right. later would see the, the beauty and previous to the right. unbearable years. I, I, I also loved it. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, I don't yet know who stands the test of time in the way that those bands did the way that the, I know what you're, I experienced it too, of loving those bands. Our parents loved and those specific bands. Yeah. I, I know they stay. Pink Floyd is going to be like, yeah. it's always going to be those. It's going to be, you, you mentioned uh, Cat Stevens. That's another one. I know that lights up. I always get yeah. the question from the back seat. Hey, who's that when it's Cat Stevens? It's yeah. Just, there's something in there. I don't yeah. know what it is. Yeah. And there was maybe less of it in the energy in our generation that would go forward, but maybe, but Was not it, none of it. Why is it the sixties music I, that seems to just keep resonating for any generation? It's really interesting. It's like, you know, and I, and I think I'm being a little bit too general. Cause I know, like you said, Nirvana was a great example. And I think that similarly will live on for every young person will fall yeah. in love with Nirvana, right? There are certain bands. And every that, college age person will fall deeply in love with Radiohead. You know, right. that, Although I've heard people like the kids make fun of like the boomers for liking Radiohead. Like there is a <laughs> is whole. Really yes, I've heard that. I've heard that. <laughs> I like that's uh, like, I swear. I was like, what do you mean? Radiohead is considered <laughs> like yesterday's news to the kids. Oh so that's God. why I'm always like. <laughs> that's spinning me out, man. Hold on. That's fine. I, I, will, I, will, I will edit that whole thing out of me. No, that's great. <laughs> but that's uh, you should share that epiphany that. with your viewers. I know. With your followers. Well, I heard that from a kid, or, or I saw it somewhere. I was, I was really like, "What? Yeah, our beloved Radiohead is considered like boomer music yeah, now." Yeah, you know, like in our youth, we were right about a lot of things and wrong about a lot of things too. Right. So. I right. imagine anybody that right. is that you know, has around. made that unilateral decision about yeah. they'll come around. Radiohead <laughs> doesn't realize it's temporary. Yeah. And they will, there you go. have a new opinion that's right later. Right. There you go. I like that. I like that response. I know because there's it's funny. I mean, I mean, I'm also currently I love Billie Eilish. I think uh, Rod, uh, Olivia Rodriguez. Is that oh, her I name think right? Olivia Rod Rodrigo to me Rodrigo. is like, See, sorry. I, I always think, mess I think, up names. I think Olivia Rodrigo is <laughs> And Billie Eilish. I think those are like, that's the generational talent that's yeah, happening right now. There's I other agree. examples, but like, and also love that both of them have been writing these like really complete albums, which yeah. is, it's just Unlike like the generation of singles. Yeah. yeah. And, and like, I'm not railing against that, no. but I happen to enjoy listening to music that way. So it's sort of like, it really is um, a fruitful experience for me more so because it's all there to be found. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Wow, well, I'm glad we plan we 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 traveled through the scope of generational music yeah. in five minutes. I know we share friends. Yeah. Maria Taylor, yeah, that's true. You just revealed Michael Stipe, and yeah. and, and, I'm, and I also was excited when I saw uh, Craig Wedren yeah, on Craig. because uh, because I've been such a uh, you know we've been pals, but also I've just been an uber like Shudder to think was a massive influence on me when I was younger, and also um, I was so enamored with the dramatic his dram his just natural dramatic energy mm. it's just something i do not have yeah i'm a really like kind of like understated guy i'm a i don't know if i'm buttoned up or if i'm just i'm not because something else happens when i get out on stage but it only happens out there and i love with craig that's just like always you can tell it's oh it could be there right now if you need it it's right here and um 
you know, I've also followed him as he's as he's gone on to his uh, scoring career. So it's interesting to see you guys explore that when you guys were chatting. But yeah, it's fun to see that we've had some common friends uh, here in your discussion. There have, I, I've had some common friends with you. Yeah. So you've been, actually, I have a so commonality. I don't mean to interrupt, yeah. but I just had an epiphany. Yeah. Your sister was in a music video of mine, sort of. Really? Yeah. Summer? Summer was, yeah, Summer was in, um, well, she was in a movie, which, of course, the name's going to escape me right now, but it was in like 2002, maybe, with Aaron Paul. And it was like uh, only for TV. It was just an MTV made for TV film. And, yes. Uh, and, our song, me and Summer wrote a song for it called Skies Down. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember what the heck the name of that movie Hold was. Hold on. We're going to have to. Oh, I am going to remember. Hold on. Yeah. Ooh. I totally know what you're talking about. So you had a, a song in that? So I had Steven a song in was it. the director. Steven. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to see Summer later. And I'm, she's yeah. going to be like, it's this movie. And this yeah. is the director. Like, Come on, guys. <laughs> have her do a little voice in Punch Over. Uh, yeah. Punch, uh, punch in a voice <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, but she was, you know, she was in this vehicle. It was their work, you know. And then they, the somebody at MTV said, you know, there's this song that we're wasted. considering putting. Wasted. Wow. That would have bummed me out for like, the rest we, of the Thank day. God we weren't so oh, wasted that, that I remembered that. <laughs> well, please. So, so Summer was in Wasted and they were working on Wasted and uh, they think they were in the editing process and they were looking for a little bit more music and they chose one of my songs. My first chance to be on MTV was with this song, Screaming Infidelities. And the first cut of it was to promote the movie. I'd actually made a video for the, the song, but then they, they were like, could we cut our movie and footage into this to promote the movie. So like there in my existing video, it wasn't like the one on permanent display in MTV, right. but for about, for like the, certainly the beginning of my career, oh my God. both your sister and Aaron Paul were, were, were in this video of mine. I love and, it. um, and that's a, that's a funny bit of kinship that we have that together. Is. And so like, and that was the thing that opened the door for my career. Cause then I got, I was actually, then they let me stay on MTV when they even they took the movie promo, prom, promotional bits from Wasted out of the video. They kept playing my song. Yes. On so it's, that's it's a pretty good huge. deal. How to remember MTV? Wow. Heyday, man. I know. It was beautiful. <laughs> Especially that period, I think, of like late 90s through yeah. early, very early aughts, where, where the video direction was so cutting edge hmm. that. Like they were, they were really auteurs in, yeah. in charge of what was being seen by the, I mean, I love the way things are now with, with, uh, I love Instagram. I like TikTok. I like digesting people's impulses for artistic expression. I love yeah. it. I love it. And I love that it's in short form. So you can just get a hint of what somebody's after. Um, and some people are expert at it and do great things, but I'm not sure that it's an auteur teaching, right. you know, like putting it on display for the generation right. that's coming up. Yeah. Um, what a unique time where that's yeah. that's what you what these young burgeoning artists were seeing was like somebody that was going to define storytelling in a way. Yeah. Because of that Agreed. marriage of video and audio. Is yeah. And I hate to get like fuddy duddy and like, oh, what about MTV? You guys will never know. I don't really know that they aren't getting that. Right. I don't know that uh, uh, any other, that a generation that didn't have that aren't getting that somewhere. I right. think that they are. I agree. Uh, but I'm really happy with the way I got to have Me it. Me too. That's all I was really trying no, to say. I'm, with I'm you. like glad I'm I was there for that. I was so, I'm so <laughs> glad I was there for that. What a unique time in the yeah. history of art. Yeah. And it was like so 
deeply married to commerce. So what a weird thing to say, like what a great, what a great artistic move, movement, which was a, a television network there to sell advertising, I guess, on some level, right? They're out to profit. I mean, a network, a network right. in general, historically is out right. to like generate some profit and all this stuff. And they were kind of like, they threw the keys to the degenerates and we're like, all right, well, we'll just take care of the books. You guys go make yeah. this thing into something. Yeah, obviously, it was whoever, you know, brought on the people that they did bring on, whoever brought on the people who the creatives behind MTV, they were the ones who were like, let's just let some let's just let it fly. Let's yeah. see what happens. I like, give these it's people so some maverick. money. I know. It's such a uh, maverick mentality. Amazing. And just and give quick, them some money. I mean, the fortune it would cost yeah, to put these things together. I, right. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Anyway, beautiful time. Good time. We're, we're just waxing nostalgic. That's OK. Well. The last question I'll, I'll trouble you with is about new artists, artists that are on for you, maybe that maybe no one's heard of before. Maybe you've seen them play once in a small pub in Nashville. Yeah. But I would love for there's, you to share about man, somebody we don't know about. Right. There's so many. There's just so many. What a, like the pressure that hits when I'm asked this oh, question, because yeah. you want to you want to put all these you have these eureka moments. That's special. I want to share that. I want everyone to know. And you try your hardest. But I'll tell you one actor artist that I was really inspired by recently was a and it's because of the duality of the thing there's a there's a songwriter named Skylar Stone Street who has like massive number one hits for people and it's sort of a thing that's happening in this generation of music that's kind of neat to see where I always like when a band writes their own songs and um, I haven't had too much experience with the, I've not really had any experience playing songs written for me it's a unique thing I think when somebody can be so heartfelt in a song they give away Mm. So she's had this massive success and then has just kind of started on the side doing very quietly doing some of the coolest music I've heard under the name Sunshine State. Hey, resonates to our oh, homes. Oh, Sunshine to, State. It's called Sunshine State. And it is uh, it's really early on. And I only know about it because I'm obsessed with her writing and found out she was doing something new. And I'm just really on fire about Sunshine State. Sunshine State. OK, yeah. we'll check them out. And all of you out there will check them out, too. What a pleasure it's been to sit down with you and have this conversation. I feel like we could go on for another hour, but it's actually cold in L.A. My hands are really cold. Yeah, How are yours? Wrap it up. We got <laughs> to wrap it up. Hey, I'm Chris from Dashboard Confessional. I have a new record. It's called All the Truth That I Can Tell. You can follow me on social media and find the record any way that you find records, I suppose. Launch Left aims to create an intentional space that highlights and empowers all artists for whom radical creativity is not a choice, but a necessity. Launch Left begins with music, but its ultimate aim is to launch left-of-center artists in all creative fields. This doctor's waiting room music doesn't care that you've been listening to it forever. It can't care. But we can. At MedExpress, you can get affordable same-day treatment. Open 8 to 8 every day for in-person and virtual visits. 